Well, let's, uh, let's get underway. Why don't you guys grab your Bibles? You guys know where we are, right? Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. So open them up to Matthew, Emily Collins. You're not even looking. <laughs> I'm calling. I'm naming names. Duncan was on his phone earlier, and I went right up to him, and I said, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, that's how we roll around here now. There's no prisoners. I got the mic. <laughs> Matthew 7, verse 1 to 6. I know that last weekend I said we were going to be covering the whole passage where Jesus says, seek and you'll find, um, and, and all that business. But when I realized that we would have to skip this passage, I realized that we couldn't go there. This is maybe one of the most important passages for community life, and we have to deal with it. It's wonderful. It's awesome. So let's get into it. Matthew 7, and we'll start in verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. (laughs) These are the words of Jesus. Let's pray. Um, If we could all just kind of calm our hearts and just ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us and to just give us understanding and discernment, we will move on from there. So just ask, uh, just talk to him personally and just ask him to fill you if that's what you desire. Uh, Jesus, I pray that uh, your word would come alive this evening. Father, I pray that the truths that you reveal wouldn't just last a day or two, Father, but they would change um, who we are moving forward, God. God, that you would just give us wisdom that we didn't have prior, God, and discernment and understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, Have you guys ever Googled yourself? (laughs) I'm sure we all have, right? You've always wanted, like, what in the world is out there? And it's always the most obscure things. All the cool stuff you did, ah, it's not on the internet. It's all the stupid stuff you did. Out of curiosity, I googled Willow Park Church just to sort of see, you know, what people are saying, what the rating is. And I was shocked. A 4.9 star rating. That is high. And I was like, wow. And there's a lot of reviews. And so, like, that's, that's impressive. People are generally kind of critical in, in Kelowna. But then I looked at the Yelp reviews, one star, <laughs> one out of five stars. So then I, I, it's only one reviewer, but I mean, that, thankfully, but anyways, I read the review. You guys want to hear it? They serve no one but themselves. Boycott this church. And I was like, well, you know, why are you guys all even here? The boycott's on. I was thinking, what in the world did Jacob even do to this person? (laughs) What did you do, Jacob? But if you continue on, it says this. They shamefully slaughtered 70 trees. And then I was like, oh, 
the living nativity incident of 013 or whatever it was. Uh, who would do such a thing? Who would slaughter trees? And I'm about to name names once again. Chris Baxter is involved. Wiener, Bear, you guys are all there. You see, every year we get trees for living nativity and we get a permit and the government says you can take these trees from these spots because they're either close to roads or power lines. So they'll have to be taken out eventually anyways at a greater cost once they grow. So these are trees that we actually want removed. And not only that, scientifically speaking, real trees are better for the environment than fake trees. So I'm reading this Google review and thinking, you're crazy. And I kind of giggled at this review, thinking this person is obviously nuts. In doing so, I judged them. (laughs) I had a Christmas tree in my eye and pointed out the speck of sawdust in their eye that we put there forcefully with our chainsaw dust. (laughs) You see, we judge each other very differently with different measures, and I'm sure that this person actually means well. They they probably love the environment, and, and kudos. They probably have felt unheard by corporations. They probably have been treated disrespectfully by selfish organizations, and in their minds, this is just another example of people coming and and just enforcing their will. And so their standard of judgment looks different than ours. From our perspective, we did it legally, ethically, and it's a free gift to the community. So from our perspective, it's completely legit. From their perspective, they're completely right. And this is kind of the issue in the world. This is why Jesus says not to judge each other. You see, we all judge each other from a place of limited insight and usually lacking grace. Am I right? And this topic, this can be really emotional. And and some of you in this place feel judged or you felt judged. Lots and lots of people would say, and and it's pretty interesting, they did this Barna research study about 10 years ago, and and 83% of people said they felt like Christians are judgmental. Very high number. And as they looked at the research further, they found that they were referring to these different hate groups and very vocal minorities. It's kind of like our perspective. For example, when I say the word Muslim, each one of you in this place will probably think of the extremists more than the majority and get your opinions on that. But so what happens is is that we feel judged. We feel like, like, you know what, sometimes people don't understand me. A pastor friend of ours in California crashed his motorcycle, and his son was on the back, a young boy, and it was a pretty serious crash, and when the police showed up to the crash scene, instead of transporting him to a hospital, they put him in a police car because he was drunk. This is their pastor with his son, and, and this, was, this was a tough situation, and the church was torn because they desire to be a place of incredible grace. And this is what they preach, grace. We don't judge, it's grace. But in the end, they ended up, um, after a long period of prayer, they ended up firing him. And I have friends who have stopped going to that church because of it, and they quoted this verse. They quoted the words of Jesus. Jesus says, don't judge, you'll be judged. They said this to me, and they said, we're just so disappointed. And this is one of the most quoted and least understood teachings of Jesus. 
Everybody knows this quote. If you go out, 99% of Kelowna would attest this quote to Jesus. They'd say, oh, Jesus said that. That's what he's about. No judgment. So let's get into it. What in the world is this passage saying? Because there's a lot going on. Are you guys ready? Let's get into it. Jesus said, do not judge. What did he mean by judge? Judge, in this case, he used the Greek word krino. And it's a really important thing that we understand what he meant by this. This was a word that meant to decide or determine who somebody is. It's primarily identity. Do not judge. Do not place a label. Do not decide yourself who they are. This is really important. And when we meet somebody, we do this in seconds based on appearance. You'll meet somebody, your brain within two or three seconds is boom. They've locked them in to a set of traits. We have different boxes that we use. This is psychological truth. It's not sin. It's just what we do. Let me give you guys an example. Yeah, go ahead and roll it, Sean. (laughs) Take this test. Picture a convict. What's he wearing? Nothing special. Baseball cap on backward, baggy pants. He says something ordinary like, yo, that's shizzle. Okay, now slowly open your eyes again. Who are you picturing? A black man? Wrong. That was a white woman. Surprised? Well, shame on you. Close your eyes. (laughs) Close your eyes. Shame on you all. You see, we all do this constantly, and, and it's just the way that our brains are created, and it's just the way that we interact with the world. We, we view people, and this, let me give you an example. We're going to look at some pictures of people, and I want you to think immediately, um, ask yourself a few questions. Number one, are they safe? Number two, do you think you have much in common with them? That's it. <laughs> No number three. Okay, Sean, go ahead. So look at each of these people. Are they safe? Do you have much in common with them? I think I know her. Ironically stretched out. (laughs) Sorry, you see, there's even a police stereotype out there that I inadvertently just stepped into. You see, this is what we do, is that we meet people and and naturally we place them within some sort of a box. And we say this is kind of who they are and therefore they'll, they'll share these sort of following characteristics and they'll like certain things. And we do this all the time, and there's so many kids at youth that I, I sometimes don't always remember who I've met and who I haven't met, and that can be troublesome. So all these grade six girls come up, and they're like, hey, what are we doing tonight? 
And I was like, oh, girls, it's going to be amazing. It's called, it's called <laughs> Puppy Paradise. Here's what we do. We're going to put peanut butter on our face. We're going to lay down on the ground, turn off the lights, and all these puppies are going to come out and lick the peanut butter. And they're like, no way. I told you the juice group rules. It's the best. And then there's this one girl who's looking at me, and this is what she says. She says, holy crap, <laughs> like this. And I realized this girl didn't know me. So she, she meets me, and this is her first impression. Bald, beard, buff. <laughs> Just kidding. But <laughs> okay, the first two, that equals scary. Doesn't know me. All these other girls, we've gone, and you know, I've known them now for a long time. They trust me. I'm, I'm sure, whatever, we're friends. And they're laughing their heads off. This girl is terrified, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, there's no puppies. <laughs> No, that's just made that up on the spot, and I'm sorry. You see, the reality, though, is that, is that when we meet people, we make a judgment, and then we move on to try to get more information. So we ask the next question is, what do you do for a living? Because then it starts to round it out a bit. And our assessments are really, really inaccurate. We perceive people better that make eye contact, that have better teeth, We perceive people better who have the same accent as us, the same skin color as us, and and just generally have the same interests as us. We place them into a different box. That's what we do. One time we were on vacation in Costa Rica, and we don't do very well socially on vacations. When we get away, we just sort of stare at stuff, you know, like walls or birds. We just don't do much. And, you know, like... Like, the Baxters, they're social butterflies. They go away, and they make, like, international famous friends. We go away, and we just gain weight. And we went away, and, and, and Melissa's like, let's go meet those people over there. And, and I'm like, okay, let's go meet them. And we went over there, and they seem nice. We're talking, and Melissa asks, what do you do? And the guy says, oh, I own a club. And we're like, okay, cool, 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 cool. And... uh like, what do you do to the girl? And she works for Philip Morris, this, like, tobacco company, and she does marketing, and she's telling us how easy it is to, like, you know, give cigarette products to kids. And we're like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Um, the, the ironic thing is that they're the opposite of us. Melissa worked for Health Canada trying to get tobacco out of people's lives, and I'm a youth pastor trying to get kids out of clubs. And so we're, like, looking at the opposite us. And it's like, oh, my goodness, like... In that moment, I just assumed a whole lot of things about both of them. And probably most of them weren't true. On Facebook, they used to have this thing where you'd signed up and, you know, information about you. It used to say religion. Religion. They stopped that. I don't know if you've noticed that. Because it created so much turmoil and bullying online. Because as soon as you declare religion, people will automatically assume a million things about you. We all feel this, right? They think they know how you vote. They think you know your stance on every social issue. And it's just sort of, uh, it just gets into trouble. It's also why they don't have political views on there. Oh, man, that would be ugly if they did. People share them anyways, very freely. But we we put people in boxes, and it's the norm. And, And we judge people. We give people worth and value and assume behavior. And here is the problem is that they stick. Our first impressions of people, they stick. And not only that, if you grow up in a community, people don't let you grow up. 
so annoying. They assume the same things of you that were true when you were 15. And it's like, no, I'm not that person. You see, we judge, we determine who somebody is. I don't know how many times people have come here and said, I'm just looking for a fresh start because some of my other friends don't know who I've become. People come home from from different places. I remember coming home from Bible college and just thinking, none of these people know me anymore. They just assume all these childish things about me. And, And it's really a difficult thing. You know what? We limit people, and, and we, we don't forget their past, and these boxes that we give them are reductive. It, it doesn't leave any space for the power of the Holy Spirit. They did this to Jesus. They did this to Jesus. This is Matthew 13. We'll get there in about a month, or three. Listen to this. Matthew 13, verse 50, 54. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue And they were amazed. Where did this man get these wisdom and these miraculous power, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? See, that's their box. Oh, that's Jesus Bar-Joseph. He's one of the Bar-Josephs. They're just peasants. Jesus, that's just all he is. He's a carpenter. Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. You see, they had judged him and decided who he was. Jesus was not handsome. The Bible says that. Normal dude. Jesus came from a pretty normal family. They were not rich. They were not powerful. Jesus was a carpenter. So they said, oh, it's Jesus, the the little, normal-looking dude that's a carpenter, and that's who he is, and that's judging him. Because there was a massive mismatch between the power that he had and how he presented himself. I love that. When he was baptized, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was born from above. Something beautiful happened with each one of you when you got saved, is that your old self died, and now you are filled with with God Almighty. Amen? That's the truth. And they couldn't see this in Jesus, and sometimes we feel like we don't see that in each other. We're like, you're always reminding me of my past, of my sin, of my lack of skills, of my lack of grace, and blah, 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 blah. And Jesus is saying, do not judge. You don't determine who each other are. I will determine who they are. That's what we get to do. Jesus is the light of the world. You know what that means? Is that he reveals who we are now. And we are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. You are now the light of the world. You reveal who each other are. And we talk about this a lot, and I hope you guys say, why does Joel talk about this all the time? I would be honored if you said that. Because we get to prophesy to each other. This is a beautiful word, the word prophecy. It's this awesome word. You got that, Sean? It's this beautiful word, which is profano. It means pro, which means before. And phano means to shine or reveal. We get to shine and reveal somebody's true identity. Profanity, 
is hiding. It's gossip. It's speaking against what God is doing. Profano, it's revealing who somebody really is. We get to reveal identity. This is what we get to do every day. Have you guys ever felt like you just want to chase spiritual gifts? It's like, oh, you guys, come over later tonight. We're going to speak in tongues. It's going to be awesome. This is something really cool is that Paul says this. He says, I want you to desire the gifts of the Spirit. Do it. This is what he says to the Corinthians. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. He says, especially prophecy. This is what church is. We get to reveal not who the world says we are, but who the Father says we are in each other. Isn't that wonderful? We get to, to speak those truths out to each other. Many of you guys know Jonah Keery, right? Jonah, where is Jonah? Jonah, where are you? Up there? He's hiding. Yeah, right there. He's, yeah, he's um, from Guatemala. He's got a little mustache. Cute like crazy. If you guys know Jonah, you know a few things. Number one, he's a godly man. Jonah is a, an amazing character leader. Kids show up in the parking lot, and they're just like, their eyes are darting around looking for Jonah. And they only are settled when they see him. Oh, it's Jonah. He is full of grace, wisdom. He's handsome like a fox. Jonah Keery, amazing guy. He, he is a man full of integrity. He really is. But if we were to judge him... <laughs> which we're going to do a public judging right now. We would say, Jonah is from Guatemala, so he probably likes tacos. He probably is a bad scooter driver. Both of those things are ironically true. But we would also point to his past and say, you know what? Jonah, a year ago, was far from God. Jonah lied. He was deceptive to his, his family. He partied a lot. If you were to know Jonah a year ago, you would probably say none of those things that I just said. But Jonah's mom called him out. Jonah's mom, knowing who Jonah is, called him out and said, it changes or you're out of the house. And on the L.A. trip, Jonah stands in front of all of us and says, I am this man I am now because of what my mom did then. Like, Jonah's a wonderful guy because somebody spoke prophetic truth into his life, and that was his mother. She gave him a verbal spanking, and it saved his life. You see, this is the job of a mother. A mother's job is to prophesy. A father's job is to prophesy. A friend's job, a sibling's job, this is who we are. And it takes somebody who we love and trust to do that. See, Jesus intentionally used the metaphor of an eyeball, because what is more sensitive if, girls, if you're to go to self-defense class, what are they going to tell you basically right away? If you're in trouble, poke them in the eyeball, right? Go for the eyeball. If a shark's attacking you, Colton, what do you do? Punch him in the eyeball. <laughs> no, you'd, you could punch him anywhere. But for me, I would punch him in the eyeball. Eyeball, it's the most sensitive place. You got to go there. And here's another thing about the eye is that obviously, if there's a speck in your eye, it hurts. And you can't see. You're disabled in your, in, your, in your life. And so Jesus says the craziest thing. It's a metaphor that is so cool. He says, you need someone that you love and trust to remove a speck from your eye. 
no one else can do that. If I'm on the street and I got a speck in my eye and some rando person comes up and says, can I help you? I'll be like, you want to touch my eyeball? Davey, can you come here for a second? I'm sorry, Davey. I want to burn this into your memories. <laughs> but if, if, if I were hurting and I was, we, we used to be roommates and we're very close. I have no problem with this. If I had an, a problem and there's something and, and I said, Davey, can you get this out of my eyeball? Go ahead. This is very intimate. We're very close. What do you want me to do? Okay, that's good enough. You see how close he had to get to me to do that? Do you, like, when Jesus says to remove the speck from your brother's eyeball, it in, inherently intended that this person was close to you, that this person loves you. And so this is a really important thing that Jesus is speaking of here. You see, we're not supposed to point out the sin of people that we are not in a loving relationship with. This is key. We're supposed to speak truth to people, but if you're not comfortable enough to take something out of their eyeball, you do not point out that person's sin. The other thing is Jesus says, let a brother point it out. This was a word that, that, that intended that they're also a believer. They're also a Christian. So you're saying, you know what? I love you. Come over here. I see that you're in pain. I'm going to speak to you about this because I love you. And Paul says, don't judge those outside the church. And Jesus is saying the same thing here. But when we speak the truth in love, first we need to examine ourselves. If Jonah's mom was some sort of bar mom, right? She was out at the bar all the time and then, and then came and said, Jonah, you need to change your ways. What would his response have been to his mother? It would have been not a chance because if you yourself are dealing with the same sin, you have zero authority. So as, as believers, we're not to call anyone's old identity and call them out on it, but also before we go and speak love to them, we first need to stop and examine ourselves because that plank in their eye, they can't see. They don't even know it. This is why we come and take communion. This is what we're doing when we take communion. We're coming and we're saying, God, what is in my eye? Examine me. Show me. I can't see it. And God will say, you know what? You need to get rid of this. And it's, it's when you're a person of integrity that you can go and speak to your brothers and sisters. My best friend growing up just called me and we talked over Christmas. We, we hadn't spoken in many years. He lives in the States. And, and he said this. He said, you know, I really wanted to talk to you because we were like David and Jonathan, weren't we? I know I've told you guys about this. But he said, you know, you saved my life. This is what he said to me. And, and I've forgotten all these moments. There was this girl in grade 12 who had a crush on him. Her name was Shannon. That should have been a dead giveaway. <laughs> that she was bad news. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Shannon. Um, and, uh, and, and we're walking home, and, and he said to me, you know, Shannon wants to date me. <laughs> and I was like, wow, we're in grade nine, and like the cutest girl in grade 12 wants to date. That's amazing. Go for it. Just kidding. I said, she's danger. And, and he says, I know. Yeah, she's danger. And, and many times we had these conversations where we would point out things in each other's lives. If I was dating a danger cat myself and said that, he'd be like, ah, who are you? How can you say anything to me? 
But because I had chosen to live with integrity, I could speak to my friend. And when I spoke to him, we could save each other's lives. And reflecting on it, we're like, oh, praise the Lord that we did that. Proverbs 27, 6 says this, wounds from a friend can be trusted. That's amazing. You see, Jesus says, don't judge, and that's awesome. Don't decide for yourself who that person is. Hear from the Father. But he does call us to point out sin in each other's lives. Proverbs twenty-seven sixteen says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You ever thought about that analogy for a second? Think about how intimate that analogy is. These are two knives or swords or blades, whatever they might be. But they are so close that they're, so, they're connected. It takes this sort of intimacy in church and community to actually point it out to each other. And as that other knife is being sharpened, he's not saying, you know what, stop judging me, stop judging me, stop judging me. That other knife is saying, thank you. This is difficult and it's hurting, but thank you for this. You see, sin leads to death and a real friend will take a bullet to keep you from it. And it takes time to remove the sawdust. It takes time to point it out and to say, hey, come over here. I want to be involved with your life. But Jesus does not stop here. He doesn't just say, don't determine for yourself who they are. And don't just speak these things to, to your brothers. What about those outside of the church? How do we deal there? This is what Jesus says. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Jesus is not calling those outside the church dogs and pigs. It's not what he's doing. He's using a metaphor from language that they would all understand. You see, Jesus calls himself the pearl of greatest value. It's, It's a beautiful thing. And at that time, a pearl was so rare and so valuable But have you ever thought about this? That dogs and pigs don't value pearls. They could care less. Like, who cares? It's a pearl. What do dogs and pigs like? Food. (laughs) That's it. Dogs and pigs like temporary pleasure. Jesus is saying that they do not value what you value, and that's me. He is saying, I am what you value. And so even though we're told not to judge people outside the church, that does not mean getting into the pen with them. This is what he's saying. He's saying don't get into the same stuff where you only value the temporary. Don't do it. And I hear it a lot. People start hanging out with sketchy friends. They start a job at a restaurant, and and the scene is just different than what they're used to. And it's a real party scene. And, And there's just a lot of stuff going on that they weren't expecting. And they'll say this but I'm not going to judge them. You know, who am I to say I'm not going to judge them? And, and people start dating other people and say, you know what, I'm not supposed to judge them. Jesus said, don't judge. But Jesus says that your relationship with God will be torn to pieces and trampled. It's a crazy comment. You see, we're not supposed to not judge people that we want to date. That is to put them in a box and say this is who they are. But the reality is this, is that if they're not born again, 
then we cannot prophesy to them because the old is not gone and they're not a new creation. This is what Jesus is talking about. So we need to run. You see, I've maybe seen a couple people fall away from their faith just on their own, just slowly drift. Maybe a couple. But I have seen multitudes forget their identity as a glorious child of God because they've thrown themselves at others who don't value Jesus and have their minds set on temporary earthly things. I've seen it so many times. And Jesus is saying, they do not value me. They don't. He's saying, so you know what? We don't judge them. We don't call them out. But we also don't get into the pen with them. We just don't do that. It doesn't mean we don't love them. It doesn't mean we don't associate with them. He's saying, don't throw your most valuable stuff at them. Community is, is so important. You see, these teachings will change our lives if we let them, and they will transform this community if we allow them. After an L.A. trip about 10 years ago, a girl came home, and her parents said she got home. She didn't go to the shower. <laughs> she didn't go to her room. She went straight into her sister's room, and she sat down on the bed, And she just started to speak words of life to her sister. Her dad said that 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 night she healed her sister. You see, we judge those that we've known the longest because we know all of their struggles. We've seen all of their sin. And our view of them is the hardest to shift because it's the longest lasting. We saw them when they were immature or before they grew And so we have these terms for them in our minds like annoying or controlling or selfish. But she heard from God who her sister really was. She stopped judging by determining who she thought her sister was and heard from the father who she was. Isn't that wonderful? And now, because of this, she's in a place where she can lovingly point out the speck in her sister's eye, the sin that she has. She can go in her room and say, I love you. You know what? This is kind of hurting you, isn't it? I love you. Let's deal with it. And we get to do this for each other. We get to do this for our spouses, for our siblings, for our best friends. We get to shine truth and identity. It's a wonderful way to live. Just imagine, and and I know I, I talk about this a ton, but if we come to church and every time we're here we think, these people know who I am. Because the Holy Spirit has given them prophetic words of truth for who I am, not who the world says I am, not for my identity as far as my appearance, not for the sin that I've done. Isn't that wonderful that the old is gone, the new has come? We're all sinners in this room, am I right? But we're brand new creations. Oh, praise the Lord. We get new life. We're going to worship, and we're going to take communion. And as we do that, I invite, you, I invite you to just say, Jesus, show me. Show me the plank that might be in my eye. Show me what it is. Help me get rid of it. Get rid of it, Jesus. I want you to also think about those people that you love, that you've known, you've, you know that you've judged, that you've said, this is who they are. I'm determining it myself. And say instead, Jesus, who are they? You show me. What do you love about that person? And then have the courage to go home and write a letter or an email or to have a conversation. We can heal each other. We get to do that for each other.
So let's pray. Jesus, you have given us the greatest way to live. God, I thank you that we look at our brother Jonah and we just see someone that we love incredibly, a man of incredible integrity, God. Somebody that you've made a new creation. I thank you for his mother that had the courage. Thank you for the humility you gave him. Thank you that he's, he's part of our family. God, I pray for each person in this room who has been, been judged, been told who we are, been put in a box, this reductive little box saying, oh, isn't that the person from Kelowna? Isn't they from that family? Don't they look like this? And you say, yeah, but they're born again, and they're my child. And so this power that you're seeing is because the Holy Spirit has filled them. Thank you, Jesus, that you can relate to us because they did the same thing to you. God, I pray that you give each one of us words that will heal. God, words that will heal tonight. God, for the rest of our lives. Lord, that all of our relationships would be so much richer, Father. So much richer. God, I pray that people that we meet on the streets... God, that we would ask you who they are. For our coworkers. God, for our friends in school. Father, that we truly would be the light of the world, God, that we would just reveal truth and true identity, Father. We love you, God. We thank you that we get to worship, God, that we get to just speak truth, to sing it out, to declare it. So we worship you now. We declare that you are the light of the world and ask that you would just come and remove these things, God. I invite you um, to come and take communion with us. It's such a beautiful statement to just let God search you. I also invite you, we're going to have prayer teams on the, the front rows here. And if you just want just prayer, if you just want to pray for somebody in your life or or there's just something in your own life you just want removed, you just want gone, just come up and we'd love to pray for you. But let's just, let's just spend this time and just, just ask the Almighty God to come and to just search us and to just give us restored vision and to just remove the pain. Thank you, Father.